0: Yeah. We'll start with our scripture reading for the day. This morning's scripture reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Now the Philistines gathered, gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sokok, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokok, Azekah, and in Ephes, Damim, and, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in, in the and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Praise God. Thank you. Thank God they don't make names like those many more these days. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. Okay, so why don't we turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And while you're turning there, um, as I said earlier, the, the title of today's message is Anatomy of a Problem. And we all have problems that come into our lives, but overcoming that problem starts with uh, with us recognizing it as a problem and figuring out what it is that we have to do with the problem okay and many times people just stop and say okay what's a problem you know and your head starts spinning and your hearts beating fast and your stomach is churning but you don't stop to think about what is at the essence of this problem and what is really going on so analyzing the problem and I'm not approaching this obviously from a psychoanalytical point of view I'm approaching it from a biblical point of view and uh, first of all, you have to ask yourself how does a problem usually present itself well a, a problem is usually standing opposite you. it is usually opposing you. It is usually something that that wants to go or take you in a direction other than what you want to do that 's the first thing a problem that opposes you and the problem when it presents itself to you at the time, it seems like it 's bigger than life. Very rarely does a problem hit you a really really a problem i mean if it 's If it's something that is so trivial, I don't consider that a problem. I consider that an annoyance. Okay? When you have a problem, it is usually something that seems bigger than life. Amen? So it's something that stands opposite you. It's opposing you. It's something that feels bigger than life. The problem oftentimes will instill fear. Because the problem puts in your your mind right away a fear of failure, a fear of not achieving whatever it is that you may be hoping to achieve or whatever it is that you're hoping for. So the problem presents itself and many times it instills fear. And the problem somehow will pose a threat to you. Okay, and you may not think of it at the time, but if it wasn't something that was posing some sort of a threat, it really wouldn't be a problem because the problem is bringing in a change of direction or something that you can't do that you want to do, whatever it is. It's something that is opposite, is opposing you. Okay, so let's, we'll start with there, how does a problem present itself? So 1 Samuel 17, looking at a very familiar story, and to put it into context of a problem, um, 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse number 1. And Brother Brandon read the first two verses, but we will reread them. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Sokar, which belonged to Judah, and encamped between Sokar and Askanenah Esfestamin, Again. And Saul said, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and encamped by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So right away you see there they're on opposing sides. Israel was on one side, and the Philistines were across the valley on the other mountain opposing them. So the problem, obviously, they were not standing on the same side as Israel, but they were opposing them on the opposite side of the valley. Verse number four says, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was um, six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of bronze upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, okay? So just to put that in, in proper context, the height there that it says 6 cubits, that's roughly, uh, roughly nine, feet, 9 feet tall. If you do the old biblical math of uh, 18 inches per cubit, roughly 9 feet tall. And this, uh, um, this uh, what was it, 5,000 shekels of bronze is approximately 150, 150 pounds. And he had shin He had shin armor of bronze upon his legs, and a javelin of bronze carried between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield across before him. Again, that's about fifteen pounds for just the spear's head. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and you servants to Saul? choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. So first place we see again now here this this problem was opposing on the other side of the valley and then he this problem was bigger than life. The average man I assure you back then was not nine feet tall. The average man did not carry armor the way he did. So, this problem now is standing opposite them, and it's also appearing to them bigger than life. And so it is with us when problems come into our lives. The problem presents itself as something that is bigger than life and something that is so large that it's really difficult for me to deal with it. It's beyond my might to deal with it. Okay? And then the problem here persists, and he said, He stood and he cried out, uh, Why are you come out to set your battle um, in array? I, am I not a Philistine, and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servant. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that uh, that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly uh, afraid. So there's the first part of the message right there. It's the presentation of the problem, how the problem hits it. The problem is very rarely standing on your side, otherwise it wouldn't be a problem. It is something that comes into your life that is opposing you. It appears to be something that is larger than life, something that I cannot overcome. And then it poses a threat. It poses a threat. Whatever that that problem is, it's something to you that's going to upset your daily balance, upset your plans, it's an upsetting wherever it is that you want to go, but it's something that is posing a threat, okay? Then the next thing we have to look at is after we realize that this is a problem because it's trying to bring fear into my life, okay? How many times do a problem present itself that brings along reassurances? A problem very rarely, if ever, I can't think of any problem that I had that made me feel good. I can't think of any problem that I had that made me feel at ease and and not threatened or not worried about something. So then the next thing we have to ask ourselves biblically then, how do we manage the problem once we see it, okay? Well, first of all, we have to identify the source of the problem, decide how to approach the problem, and then again figure out how to eliminate and overcome the problem, okay? So identify the source. Okay, identify the source of the problem, figure out how to approach it, and then lastly, how do I eliminate it or overcome the problem? Now, we as Christians, we don't do this sort of, of, of thinking um, uh, 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 the way secular people do. We don't go to a management seminar and take out a course on how to overcome problems or stress management. We go, we go by the Word of God because the, the, the Holy Word of God, the, the Holy Bible, is filled with examples and direction on how to overcome problems. This is a perfect example of how to overcome one. So now, verse number 12. Now David was the son of, uh, was the son of that uh, uh, Ephrathite of Bethlehem, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man went strong among, among men as an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. Okay, now this is a problem that comes to you and presents itself time after time after time. You go to bed at night and you wake up and the problem is still there. You go to work, you go to school, whatever, and you come back and the problem is still there. The problem is persisting. It just is not going away. In this case, the problem is in the form of this Philistine named Goliath. Verse 17. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren uh, a, 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 an ephah of this parched grain and those ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and, and uh, look how they, thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put, put the battle in array, army against army. But David left his baggage in the hand of the keeper of the baggage and ran into the army and came in and greeted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, they came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very much afraid. There's no line all of that in verse 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from it were very much afraid. So that's akin to, like, you know, if the problem is is, is spilling over to others that you know or someone else that you know, and it's a problem that is presenting itself to, to a group, you know, or to you and someone else hears it. Others will flee from the problem. Others will rise up in fear. And they will say, oh, my gosh, how are you going to overcome that? You received a letter from whom? The who called you? You got called in to do what? How are you going to overcome that? I'm out of here. I'm sorry. I love you. You're my best friend, but I'm gone. Okay? Okay? And and they go to leave you you alone. How many times have we relied on someone else, be it a friend, a family member, someone that we know, an associate, or whatever, to help us with a problem? You know? And then when you share you bear your soul and you share that problem to someone else, loved one family friend coworker or whatever, they say I, I don't know what to tell you but I'm out of here, <laughs> you know. I wish you the best and so on, but but but, but they're gone. Okay? So in essence you, you are left standing by yourself. It continues here in verse 25 and the men of Israel uh, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up Surely to defy Israel as he come up and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king uh, will enrich him with great riches and will give him to his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine, this Philistine and take up the way of reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Please in not align that. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know, so again, that's akin to people, you know, telling us, you know, Gee whiz, have you, you, have you looked at that problem? Do you realize who contacted you? Do you realize what was said? Are you kidding me? How can you, how can you come up against this? You know, David got indignant. He says, who is this uncircumcised pig? He's coming and he's challenging the Philistines, challenging my God. You know, so when that comes to you, you have to have the resolve in yourself. Well, wait a minute. How dare this problem present itself to steal my joy, to take away my freedom and my rest and my peace in God? You know, how dare this problem present itself to me and make it seem like it's insurmountable? You know, know, how dare that person approach me as a child of the living God to take away my rest and my peace and my freedom to bring this problem into my life? You see, you have to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. You have to realize that you, when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Word of God says you were adopted into the family of God. It says you were adopted into the family of God. So that means that you're just not another commoner out there, you know, for the enemy trying to try and come and and put problems into your life. You don't have to accept that. You have to have have the same um, uh, 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 fortitude and, and commitment that David had. You know, who is this guy to come and defy the living God? It continues in verse 27. and says, And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David and said, Why comest thou down here? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and, and the, the haughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You see? So right away now, after he says, after David says, Wait a minute, who is this Philistine that come against the living God here? Right away he gets discouragement. And where does the discouragement come from? Someone closest to him. His brother. His brother, you see? So in, in modern everyday times, you know, and many of us, I, I think, have been, I know I certainly have, you know, when you have, when you're pumped about getting something done and you're pumped about getting, overcoming something, the very person that will start with the, with the first, um, uh, being a Debbie Downer, you, you know, being a Debbie Downer and trying to crush you is someone that is close to you. Okay, in this case it was his brother, you see? So discouragement can come from those that you think the most highly of and that you feel the closest to, you know? And this is not necessarily an indictment against a family member, indictment against your sister, your brother, or cousin, or relative, or whatever. It's simply saying that your sister, mother, brother, cousin, or other relative, they're human beings. They're people, okay? They're human beings and they're people. And if they're not well steeped in the word of God, if they're not a a, a strong Christian like yourself, they won't understand that, well, wait a minute, instead of me discouraging my family member who has this problem, my family member has a problem, they brought the problem and shared it with me, and instead of me discouraging them, what's the first thing that should happen? That family member, if they're steeped in the word of God, will say, okay, let's pray. Let's pray. They'll grab you by the hand and say, okay, let's pray together. But they won't discourage you, you see? So here David is pumped in the spirit. He said, who is this pig, this Philistine, that come against the, the, the army of God, the living God? And the first thing that happens, someone close to him discourages him and says, that, and says that he's pumped up in pride. And why aren't you there out there with the sheep? Okay, now that comment there is a put down. And this is what happens to many of us when you have a problem. You know, when that person is coming, that family member that you possibly could be relying on, they will put you down. They say, well, well, what are you, you know, you're merely of this, you're merely of that. How are you going to overcome that problem? You know, look at you. Go back and wash the dishes, you know. And it's, you know, trying to demean you instead of being a strong supporter of you as if they're a child of God. Instead of being a strong supporter and say, you know what, let's pray together. Let's pray together, okay? So we see here the first thing with this problem is where discouragement comes comes in and how we should, we should be prepared to deal with it. 29 says, and David said, what have, what, what, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spoke after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. So he turned to some other people, and all they did, they said the same thing. They just discouraged upon discouragement. 31, and when the words were heard which David spoke, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and and he a man of war from his youth. And here we go again uh, with this discouragement and also planting doubt planning doubt, and trying to make David see or think that he is insufficient, that he would not be able to overcome this, this guy, okay? And again, this is something that we oftentimes will get when there's a problem that's going on in our life. We get to discouragement, all right? You, you know, you, you know not, not only are you just a shepherd or you're just a this you're just a that, you're not going to survive. This is the government that sent you that letter. This is the so-and-so that called you on the phone. This is what she said. This is what he said. This is what he did. You're not going to survive this, you see, and that's the way the problems work. You have to realize that a problem is a problem is a problem. The same problem that was guiding uh, the Philistines and Goliath is the same entity that guides problems into our lives. That's none other than the devil himself. Okay? This is pure evil that is coming up against Israel here. Pure evil. Amen? So then the devil's working on these other people, you know, including Saul here, making him doubt and so on that he can do it. Verse 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote and slew him." The servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he defied the armies of the living God. Okay, now please put a bracket around those verses 34 through 36 because there's a lot of powerful things being said there. What David quickly came back with in refuting those charges of the brother and Saul and whatnot, he reflected back on what God did for him in the past. God had, God had him slay that lion and the bear when he came and attacked the flock, the sheep in the flock there. And God gave him strength to overcome them. So right away, David is remembering what God did back then, you see. And so he's saying that the same way God delivered me for, and, and helped me to kill those animals, I'm going to do the same thing to, the, to Goliath, you see. So when that problem arises in your life, think back to another problem that you had. Think back to some other issue that was really troubling you that seemed bigger than life. You know, you, know, you know, most of us over the age of 10, and I know that's only a few of us here, right? Most of us over the age of 10 can remember times when we've had really, really difficult times in life, you know? you know? And the older you are, the more mature you are, the chances are you've had more of those challenging times, you know? You start bringing children into the world, the children raise up, they, get, they grow up, they're in school, they're in college, they get married, and so on. And the older you get, the more the problems are. So all of us can think back at some time, and I don't care how, how young you are, where there was something really serious happening in your life that seemed insurmountable at the time, seemed impossible, but God delivered you, you see? So with this current problem, you need to reflect back, as David did, God helped me to kill that lion and the bear. You need to reflect back and say, well, God brought me through that other problem. He will do the same thing with this current problem that's in front of me. All right, now, verse 37 says, David said, Moreover, the Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the, the um, poor of the bear will and uh, deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. 38. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of bronze upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his uh, girded his sword upon his armor, and he attempted to go, for he had not tested it yet. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David put them off. Okay, so David David was a shepherd, all right? And he was not obviously accustomed to all this warrior-type armor, <laughs> okay? He put all this heavy stuff on. You know, I kind of pictured him. You know, he put this heavy stuff on. They said that he was slightly built. I kind of imagined it fitting him too big, like it was too big. And he tried to walk. And, you know, of uh, 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 chain, chain mail is that. I don't know if any of you seen, like, in the... Um, the uh, uh, Sir Lancelot and those guys that wore the suits of armor. mail was this, it was, it's a flexible garment made of metal with links, all that link it together. And you put it on first, then the armor goes on top. He had all this heavy stuff on. And I imagine him trying to walk, and this stuff was clanking, and, and he had this heavy sword on him. And so And he's trying to fight. And so he says, wait a minute. He says, I, I, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David put them off. And he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a wallet. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. Okay. Now, what's being said there by Holy Spirit through this written word is that Saul, to solve the problem, to deal with, with Goliath, gave him the weaponry of the day gave him the weaponry of the world, so to speak, the known weaponry, okay, to try to overcome this enemy. David said, no, I won't go with this. I'm going to take another set of weapons, and we'll go with what those weapons were, okay? But relative to our problems, though, you know, when someone is trying to help you overcome your problem, they many times will give you worldly and secular type advice, Oh, well, they sent you that nasty email. You need to fire up and send an equally nasty email back. You need to get on the phone and call that person and do this. You need to write this long letter. You need to do this and do this. And they will give you many times worldly advice on how to overcome your problem. Okay? But we as children of God and citizens of the kingdom of God, we don't deal with problems in the same way that a person would in the secular world. We look at the spiritual origin of that problem, and the only way to overcome a spiritual problem is with spiritual weaponry. Okay, the spiritual weaponry. So right away, David tried out the, the weapons of the world, you know, email, fax, call them up, scream at them, call them nasty names the way they did me. No, he said, I can't do that. I'm going to take another method. And what did he say? He says that he took, uh, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a wallet, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. The staff that is written of here in, to us in New Testament times is Jesus is referred to as the staff of life. Amen. Five smooth stones. Interesting that the scripture points out the number of stones, just didn't say several stones, it said five smooth stones. Because five in biblical numerics, and I'm not talking about numerology, I'm talking about biblical numerics, the study of biblical numbers, five is the number of grace. Five is God's number of grace. So he took five smooth stones, the staff of life, which is Jesus Christ, and it says from a brook. So these stones were in this brook of of water. It didn't say it was in a pool of water in the river. It says in a brook. We know that stones and rocks sitting in a brook, a brook is moving water. A brook is moving water. The stones were smooth. God makes a point of saying smooth stones as opposed to jagged, ragged stones. Why smooth stones? If we've ever, as kids, you ever skip rocks in in water, you take the rock and you throw it like that and watch how many times it'll skip, okay? When you picked up a rock, how many of us were silly enough to grab a big, jagged, lumpy rock? We tried to find a rock that was smooth because we kind of, even as kids, knew that a smooth rock would go further and faster through the water. So a smooth stone is more... Aerodynamically sound, if you will, to give the ability to fly through the air and to cut through the water. Amen? So, five smooth stones. David knew that these stones would have better direction and would be sharp on target when he decided to sling them. Alright? And his wallet in the sling song is on verse 41. And the Philistine came on. So the point I'm making here is that David did not take worldly weapons to overcome us, he took, he took spiritual weapons to overcome, it, overcome this problem. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give my flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Okay? So, pause there for a moment. The Philistine, it was like the nerve of you to send this little, little skinny guy to overcome me. You see? You see? So... What we as Christians don't realize that many times, the problem that is coming at us, could it, it could be through a person, another human being, or whatever, those, that, that problem in the form of that person or that situation greatly, greatly underestimates us. Greatly underestimates us, all right? The problem in the form of that person could be greatly underestimating you. They don't know the power that's in your arsenal. Okay. They don't know what's in your backpack is a lot more powerful than what they can throw at you, you see. But many times we forget that also. Okay. So when that power, that, that, that problem presents itself and it says to us or it makes you feel, you little wimpy dog, here you're standing up in front of the entire federal government. You're standing in front of the whole state of Oregon. You know, you got that letter in the mail. You see what's going on. How can you overcome them? You little wimpy citizen, you know. You live down at 123 Main Street and blah, blah, blah. How are you going to overcome this problem, you see? Because they underestimate us, and we also underestimate us, in terms of what is the power that we have in our quiver. What's the power that we carry in our our backpack? Okay? I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said... Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee, hallelujah, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, and the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Please underline that. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. This day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand, and I will, please underline will, I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will, underline will, give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Please underline that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Okay? So the first thing that he did was He knew what the problem was right there before him. He spoke forth the answer. He spoke forth the resolution. He spoke forth what the result was going to be. And he said, this day. He didn't say next week. After I go grab my Bible and figure out this and figure out that, he said, this day, this day, he said, 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 this day I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air. So he spoke forth the solution spoken forth. So that problem that comes into your life, you have to stand firm knowing that God is going to be with you and you have to say that this day I'm going to overcome so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And -and And you speak forth whatever that problem is. You actually articulate it. You know, you know, this day I'm going to to, to defeat so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. I am not going to fall to this so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. When so-and-so comes to the house, I'm going to say so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so and this I'm going to do because I'm I am a child of the living God and you're going to speak with some determination. You did not see anything here that David said. He stuttered and nervously said this. He spoke it forth with some conviction. Amen? And all the assembly, in verse 47, and all the assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. You hear that? And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Please put a bracket around all of, all of uh, 47 there. He said that all of the world all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. So the answer to your problem, the salvation to your problem, is not going to be by secular methods. Okay? It's not going to be by secular methods. Okay? And this day, when those people see you overcome your problem and they realize that you did not respond in kind, you know, with nasty emails, letters, phone calls, or whatever else that, that people in the world will do, will do, they will marvel and they will say, my gosh, she didn't lift a finger. That we could see. You know, we know that she's a Christian. And we know she prays a lot, but she didn't respond. She didn't scream. She didn't get angry. But yet still, she was exonerated. The problem has gone away. The problem has been resolved. Okay? Because we don't fight things the way the world fights things. And the most important part there is underlined in that scripture, for the battle is the Lord's. Okay? The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. The That problem that is standing before you was not prompted by God. Because God doesn't prompt problems. Amen? That problem that was standing before you, or is before you, in your life, was not given to you by God. It was not presented by God. So that means, where did it come from? Amen? So, the defeat of this problem, being spiritual in nature, has to be defeated by spiritual mechanisms. And God is the master of that. He's in control of it. He's in control of it, you see? So for the battle, there's the Lord's, and he will give you the victory. Amen? So the promise in your life, if you're following along, you know, you're following the will of God, and you're praying to God, and you're consulting him all every step of the way, you have to know deep within your spirit that God is the one that's in control. And, and you're not the one that's got to go out there being the master at this offensive on, on the devil. Okay? Amen? It goes on to say in verse 48, And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose, and came near and drew near to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Another thing here now is that how do you go about solving or eliminating the problem? You hasten towards it. You hasten. You go boldly after that problem. You don't procrastinate and put off and say, oh, I can do this tomorrow. I'll do it next week. Or you get on really need, you know, your knees start knocking and you're afraid. You hasten towards removing that problem. Amen? Knowing that the Lord is going before you. Knowing that what's in your backpack, your arsenal, is a, is a godly, spiritually based, based uh, uh, weaponry that, that the world cannot overcome. Why? Because the battle is not mine. It's God's. All right? There's not a battle in this universe that God cannot overcome. And if God is fighting in your behalf, then therefore you have to be the victor and not the one that is vanquished. Amen? Amen? So so he ran forth toward the army to meet the Philistine. 49, and David put his hand in his bag and took from there a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. That the stone sank in his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Okay? Now, please underline there the Philistine, smote the, the Philistine in the forehead. When the problem is in your life, in overcoming it, or aiming your offensive, you don't go for the, 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 uh, the, the, the periphery of the problem. You go for the head of the problem. He didn't go to, to, uh, um, to, to, uh, uh, to just, uh, what do you call it, wound Goliath. He didn't hit him in the shoulder or the leg. He went for the head. Okay, I'm going to overcome this problem with one shot. I'm going to the head of the problem. Amen? So whatever the source of your problem is, what is ever at the head of that problem, be it a person, be it a process, be it a condition, be it something that's going on, that's what you attack. That's what you attack. You know, you, 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 you go for the juggler, so to speak, as they say in everyday language. You go for the juggler. You're not here to play. Here to play. You know why? Because the enemy is trying to take you out. He's not going to just wound you in your foot or in your leg or something. He's trying to take you out of commission. And his ultimate way of taking you out of commission is by doing what? It's not just you failing at the problem. I mean, that's, that's his secondary thing. His main objective is to make you lose, lose faith in God. That's his main objective, you see. To present you with a problem that appears to be so great that you can't overcome it. And even though you're praying to God, you still can't win. Okay, so he's going he's going at your heart. He's going to just destroy you and totally eliminate you. So you go for the head of the problem, not just the arm or foot or ankle or something like that. All right. So he says he hit him and he fell and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine. He triumphed. Okay, he prevailed. He triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and slew him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion saw their champion was dead, they fled. They fled. Now that makes me right away uh, underline there when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. That makes me think of the scripture right away. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Amen? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay? So, so he, took, he, took, he took Goliath's own weapon there and cut off his head. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines un- until thou c- come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sharim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and plundered their camp underline and plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the, the captain of the host, Abner, Whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. Okay? David had David now had attention of the king. You see, that's another thing that also happens after you overcome a problem and you wind up becoming victorious. All of a sudden, attention is drawn to the fact that you did indeed overcome this problem, that you were successful in overcoming it. uh, 56 says, And the king said, Inquire thou whose son this stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said unto him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered him, I am the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite. And so we see here that through this, God triumphed. So now we see here, as far as the anatomy of the problem is, you know, a problem is something that always opposes you. It stands opposite to something that you are trying to accomplish in life. It presents itself uh, oftentimes or most of the time as being something that is bigger than life. It's so, so tough and so big you can't, uh, you can't uh, overtake it. It instills fear. Or so at least it tries to instill fears by, by putting out veiled threats to you, you know. It comes out and it, start, it keeps pronouncing to you how it's going to overcome you and how it's going to be greater than you and how it's going to set you back. And this comes many times when, when we are alone and we're thinking about the problem and we're dwelling on it, you know. We, it starts, you know, we start fantasizing and thinking about what the, 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 the end result in a negative way is going to be and, and as opposed to what is the positive result of something happening. Amen? Amen. And so then we see that the next thing you do is you identify the source of the problem. Decide on how you're going to approach the problem and eliminate and or overcome the problem. In deciding how to approach the problem, obviously the first thing that you do is you run to the Word of God. You, you drop down in prayer. You, you, you consult with the Lord. You ask Holy Spirit for guidance, and you ask Him to guide you through on, how, on what weaponry you're going to use. Amen? And then lastly, always knowing that um, the battle is God's. God knows the problem that you have. God knows the issue that you're wrestling with. Amen. You're a child of God. The word of God says you were adopted into the family of God. So this is God's problem to deal with. All you have to do is make sure that you're doing what you what you need to be doing, and that is praying regularly, making positive confessions, saying that I am going in the name of Jesus to overcome this problem. You don't run from it. If people try to bring you negative confessions and discouragements, do not entertain it. You know, shut your ears. Do one of those, "Nah, nah, nah, I can't hear you. I can't hear you." You know, but in essence, you shut them down. You shut them down. You you know, and 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 I, and I hate to say, it, you know, they always say, you know, in 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 business, and you know, if you're trying to be an be an entrepreneur entrepreneur, um, one of the worst things you can do is borrow money from a family member or go into business with a family member. They always say that's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> Amen. So sometimes, you know, the worst thing that you can do is to is to rely on the opinions of a family member. Now, I mean, if you have someone that you know is, understands God and they're Christians and you know that they're going to hear your issue and pray with you, then that's a different thing. But if you're not sure of that, you know, you don't want to be opening the door for negative Uh, negative advice, quote-unquote, and receiving risking discouragement. Amen? Amen? Anatomy of a problem. Pray about, think about what you heard here today in the name of Jesus, and I pray this message has been a blessing to you, and now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.